Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 20. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 20. That thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of the righteous. These words are a continuation of the sentence that began in verse 10. And uh, in particular, the main clause of this very long sentence, which is verse 11. Discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. And then we have this purpose clause in verse 20, following on from verse 11. Discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, that thou mayest walk in the way of good men, and keep the paths of the righteous. He who has discretion, that is, a right understanding of the word of God, shall be kept safe. Walking in the paths of the righteous. This is then is our calling as Christians to keep the paths of the righteous. So can we honestly say of our own lives that we are doing this? And this is not just external righteousness, it's also internal righteousness, our thought lives. Are we being righteous in our whole being? Our goal must be to walk according to God's perfect holiness. Nothing less than that. Now there is a falsehood which often arises in Christian circles. That because we are under grace... We do not have to keep God's law. Because we are not under the law, we can ignore the law, the moral law of God. Well, we are not under the law as a means of salvation. But we are most definitely under the law as the terms of our being in covenant with God. We are saved by grace. But he requires of us, as an aspect of being in covenant with him, that we keep his commandments. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, and the Apostle Paul was always speaking about justification by grace, apart from works. But he says in Ephesians 4 verse 1, I beseech you to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye were called. So the Christian's walk has to be fitting to his vocation, his calling. We have been called to be citizens of heaven and sons of God. This means nothing less than displaying a likeness to our Heavenly Father in terms of personal 
holiness. And nothing destroys our Christian testimony more than professing Christians who fail to be holy in their everyday dealings. A Christian by definition is one who has renounced all sin. Someone who believes that Jesus Christ uh, is the Son of God, someone who regularly attends a place of worship, but who has not renounced all sin in the sincerity of his heart, is not a Christian at all. And today we have the ludicrous situation of of people publicly saying they are following an immoral lifestyle. Or they have an orientation to an immoral lifestyle and they are also Christians. I'm sorry, the Bible does not allow that. Now, whenever anyone is baptised, the primary aspect of that holy ordinance is the promise to renounce all sin. This is either a real promise made before God or else it is a shameful taking of God's name in vain. The Apostle Peter declared on the day of Pentecost Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So we see there that baptism cannot be separated from repentance. And no sin can ever be forgiven which has not first been repented of. It is very important that we remember that simple point. Sin has to be repented of to be forgiven. Sometimes there's a terrorist atrocity takes place and you hear well-meaning Christians say, well, it's a horrible act, but I forgive them. Well, Christians should take care. Because if they're not repented, God has not forgiven them. And we cannot be more merciful than God. The very purpose of Christian salvation is that the believer might thereafter be restored to the image of God. And so, we must not think of salvation just in terms of escaping hell. Salvation is in order that we become God-like in terms of our holiness of life. This is accomplished through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. We are saved in order to be holy. We are not saved in order to carry on in sin. New life within should result in new behaviour without. 
Ephesians 4 verse 17. Paul declares, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. That that was Ephesians 2 and verse 10. Uh, and, And then Ephesians 4 verse 17. Henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. In the vanity of their mind. Having the understanding darkened. And so we have to live out our lives. In a completely different way to how we did before we were converted. Ephesians 4 verse 22 Put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man which after God hath been created in righteousness and true holiness. And it is amazing how much Paul emphasises this in, in the epistle to the Ephesians. Remember, he's the apostle who puts so much emphasis upon justification by faith alone. And yet, look how he speaks in this epistle about the need for holiness. And so, Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 1, be ye therefore followers of God, imitate God, as dear children, and walk in love. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, but have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. So we see that ongoing sin is simply not an option for the Christian. We have to pursue a perfection of holiness. That must be our goal. This is how high our calling is. We are called to be nothing less than followers of God, imitating God himself. And we must not shirk the issue of holiness by arguing that we are only human. That sin is something that we must live with. Because, you see, we are different people if we have become Christians. We are new creatures in Christ. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Are we saying... That being born again and receiving the Holy Spirit makes no difference to how we behave. Are we saying that the Holy Spirit has no power to stop us sinning? 
Because that is what the careless Christian is arguing when he says, I'm, I'm merely human, I'm going to carry on sinning this side of heaven. He's saying that the Holy Spirit is powerless to change him. We have the ability to bear the fruits of the Holy Spirit. In the parable of the sower, the seed on the good ground represents those who in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, hold it fast, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. Carrying on, bringing forth fruit. Of the four categories of ground in that parable of the sower, this last fruit-bearing ground is the only category which represents a truly saved person. Our Lord declared, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. Hebrews 12, verse 13. Make straight paths for your feet. And the next verse. Follow peace with all men. And the holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. So there we are plainly being told in God's word that we shall not see heaven without holiness of life. And again we emphasise that by holiness we also mean inward holiness. Our thought lives. Now, there in Hebrews 12, the writer to the Hebrews is not speaking about the meritorious basis of entrance into heaven. But he is speaking of the necessary evidence of fitness for heaven. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1 Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Not muddling through, doing the best you can, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We need to realise how fundamental to the Christian life holiness really is. 1 John chapter 2 Hereby know we that we know God if we Keep his commandments. He that saith, I know God, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. Verse 6. He that saith, he abideth in Christ, ought himself also to walk even as he walked. We have to walk as Christ walked. And he was without sin. And, you see, we have to be careful here. We we, we mustn't take our theology from hymns. 
We must take our theology from God's word. You see, we all know the hymn, and we know what the hymn means, but we have to be careful. Just as I am. God receives me just as I am. But that does not mean, oh well, I can carry on in sin because God loves me just as I am. That is not what the word of God teaches. We have to walk as Christ walked. And of course, if someone is truly born again, they will not be content with any sin in their lives. The Holy Spirit will give to them a revulsion at sin. The true believer, born again of God's Spirit, will cry out to God and even say, Oh, forgive me, Lord, that I even thought that. And so this is what Solomon is teaching here in this verse 20. We have to walk in the ways of good men and keep the paths of the righteous. And the primary good man, the only good man who is our model, is the only man who was ever without sin, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Verse 21, for the upright shall dwell in the land and the perfect shall remain in it. Now, we shall not obtain an absolute perfection this side of heaven. But because of the indwelling Holy Spirit, there is absolutely no reason why sin should any longer be inevitable. So the word perfect here in verse 21 refers to those striving to be perfected by God's grace. And also notice in this verse 21, the particular language being used, it's it's the metaphor of occupying the promised land. The upright shall dwell in the land. Israel had been told, before she first entered into Canaan, that her possession of it was conditional upon ongoing obedience and faithfulness. God never said to Israel, you can do as you wish, you can go after as many false gods as you wish, but I will still give you the land. No. He said, if you disobey my commandments, you will lose the land. And they did lose it. Possession of the Old Testament earthly Canaan represents for us today possession of the spiritual inheritance in the kingdom of God. Our place in heaven can never be earned. It is only received through grace. Nevertheless, the recipient of grace must give evidence that they are such by their manner of life. And again we stress that God looks at the heart. You see, it is possible 
to give the appearance of being a true Christian by certain external observances and avoiding certain obvious sins. You can give an impression of being a true Christian. But God also looks at the heart. And so we show, we demonstrate that our faith is real by our works of holiness. We prove our faith to be real by loving God and our neighbour as ourselves by keeping all the commandments from the heart. And not just in a mere outward performance. It is easy to actually to convince other people you're a true believer. But by mere external acts. But God knows the heart. Philippians 2 verse 14. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. That ye may be blameless and pure. Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Among whom ye shine as lights in the world. And so there Paul exhorts the Philippian Christians to be blameless and pure. How can careless sinning Christians possibly be lights to the world? Uh, Writing to the Thessalonians. Uh, Paul warns them to abstain from every appearance of evil. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 22. Paul prays for the Philippians. May the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly. Sanctify you wholly. Not partially, wholly, completely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is praying there in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, not for some improvement, but for a perfection of holiness. We have to strive then to be without sin. And not just without sin in terms of what other people see, but without sin in terms of what we are in our hearts. We do this with the prospect of our Lord returning in judgment. 2 Peter 3 verse 11 Seeing then that all these things shall be Dissolve what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness. 2 Peter 3 verse 14. Give diligence that ye may be found in peace without spot and blameless in his sight. Not muddling through doing the best you can without spot and blameless in his sight.
1 Peter 1 verse 13, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, set your hope perfectly on the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, prepare for this coming day of judgment as children of obedience, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but like as he which called you is, is holy be ye yourselves holy in all manner of conversation. A Christian profession does not leave room for some sin. Yes, we all fall at times. But it grieves us, does it not? Hopefully we do not say, well, it's all part of living in a fallen world. Yes, yes, we've sinned. Yeah. We, we can't shrug it off. If when we fall into sin, it will grieve us. It will really hurt us. We cry out to the Lord for mercy. Sin must be dealt with in a root and branch manner. Our Lord told his disciples concerning impending judgment in Luke 21 and verse 34. Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy, says our Lord. Worthy to stand before the Son of Man. So we have to be watchful against sin in every situation. And there is such a thing as subtle sin, secret pride. Watchfulness against sin, growth in holiness must be the Christian's Continual concern. Again, uh, praying for the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12, Paul says, The Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men. You know, as Christians, we possess the truth. We have this. Wonderful privilege. But that doesn't give us a right to look down on non-Christians. And to think ourselves superior to them. We are not. We were in exactly the same position as them once. So we can't look down on them. Abound in love one toward another to your fellow believers. But also abound in love, says Paul, toward all men. To the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness. Let us not have a superior attitude because we are Bible-believing Christians. Because we are just hopeless sinners saved by grace. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 16 It seems there's a real problem at Thessalonica 
regarding this church that they were not being holy enough because Paul keeps speaking about this. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 16 uh, May our Lord strengthen your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Again, writing to the Philippians. Philippians 1, 9. May your love abound yet more and more in knowledge and all discernment. So that ye may approve the things that are excellent. That ye may be sincere and void of offence unto the day of Christ. Void of offence. That means without any sin now holiness of course does carry with it great blessing as we pursue it we will be protected from uh, so much earthly trial and unhappiness sin always brings unhappiness in its way What a joy to be living each day in God's perfect will. And so Romans 12 verse 1 Paul says, Present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, your spiritual service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed says Paul, so that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Again, note the emphasis there on perfection. The true Christian possessed with the indwelling Holy Spirit never finds holiness burdensome. It is rather the delight of his heart. The true Christian can say with David, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. And so we actually rejoice in being holy. We mustn't think of this as some awful burden we have to try and bear as Christians. We can only be holy through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as by God's grace we actually practice holiness, it is something to rejoice in. Again, we must take care that because we are Christians, because we believe the truth, because by God's grace, uh, hopefully, we have right doctrine, but we mustn't become presumptuous. Paul was writing to Christians when he said this. Romans 8 verse 13. If ye live after the flesh, ye must die. But if by the Spirit ye mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And so we must constantly be mortifying, putting to death the deeds of the body, the works of the old nature, which is still there after conversion the old nature is still there and if we quench the spirit the old nature will arise 
We can have been Christians for decades. But if we are careless, the old nature will take over. Solomon says here in verse 21, The upright shall dwell in the land, and the perfect shall remain in it. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth, and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. Because Israel kept on being disobedient, God threw her out of the promised land. Likewise, the New Testament parallel to this is that those today who do not take holiness seriously have no part in the kingdom of God. So there is coming upon this earth a dreadful day of judgment. And judgment will begin at the house of God. And so we need to be holy. We need to live out our lives preparing for that coming day. Revelation 6 Verse 17, the great day of their wrath is come, and who is able to stand? Our Lord, when he comes in judgment, will separate the sheep from the goats. And the basis upon which he will carry out the separation is people's works. Although we are saved by grace alone, the sheep will be separated from the goats on the basis of works. Are we holy? Are we obedient? Yes, we are saved by grace alone, with no merit attaching to any of our works. Yet the only evidence that someone is a true born-again Christian is his holiness of life. And that means the holiness in his heart, in his whole disposition. Not just avoiding some outward sins. We have been saved in order to be holy. That's the whole purpose of becoming Christians. It is to become holy people. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. The old sin should be gone. So we must pursue holiness with an eye to our Lord's return. We must be watchful against sin. The one who does not take holiness seriously has no part in the kingdom of God. And that that is what... Solomon is teaching here. Notice the warning that he gives in verse 22. The wicked shall be cut off from the earth. The transgressors shall be rooted out of it. In other words, those who are not holy do not belong to the kingdom of God. Thankfully, God gives us the grace to be holy. It's not something we have to achieve We can only do it through his grace. And so our goal is to walk in the way of good men. 
to keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright shall dwell in the land, and the perfect shall remain in it. May God give to each one of us the grace to be really holy people. Amen.